You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we do give you great thanks for the amazing grace that you have poured out on us in Jesus Christ. We ask that now as we uh, dig into your word that you would uh, show us that grace, that you would pour out your love and mercy upon us. And this we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Would you turn uh, in your leaflet bulletin thing uh, to page 5 to the uh, Corinthians reading that was read out for us. That's the passage I'll be dwelling on this morning. I wonder if you've had this experience. I'm sure you have. Uh, I don't think it's unique to me, but maybe it's COVID brain or baby brain or just some cluttered brains. But more and more I seem to be walking into rooms and forgetting why I walked in there. Similarly, I often get on my phone to send, you know, my wife a text message or do something productive, check an email or something like that. Then I get distracted by social media. I start scrolling and totally forget why I picked up my phone in the first place. You may have experienced this yourself, I'm sure, because forgetfulness is a common human experience. It's not new to me. It's not new to you. It's something that we see all throughout the Old Testament as Israel is constantly called to remember their God, who he is and what he has done for them. And in our passage in 1 Corinthians, Paul continues on that tradition of the remembering project. He wants to remind the Corinthians of who God is and what he has done for them. Just look at verses 1 and 2 with me. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and in which you, are being, which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Paul wants to remind the Corinthians of the gospel, which he had already preached to them, which they had previously received, in which they are currently standing, and by which they are saved. And for context, the the church in Corinth was full of division and selfishness. Even though in chapter 1, verse 2, Paul uh, says that these Corinthians were among those who had been called to be saints, they were anything but. In chapters 1 through 3, we learn that they were tribal. Some saying that I follow Paul and others saying I follow Apollos. In chapter 5, we learn about the report of sexual immorality that's happening amongst them. In chapter 6, they're bringing lawsuits against each other. In chapters 12 through 14, they're boasting of their spiritual gifts to each other, elevating some gifts above others. These so-called sanctified saints were in many respects just like you and me. They were forgetful. They'd forgotten who they were in Christ and what he had done for them. They'd forgotten that Jesus had delivered them out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And they chose rather to walk in darkness instead of the light of the resurrection. And so Paul begins chapter 15 with a reminder of just what the good news is that they say they believe. But lest we get too haughty and praising God that we're not like those Corinthians, we need to remember that they were Christians. Paul had already preached the gospel to them. They had received it and they were saved. Paul's not speaking to pagans or to non-Christians. He's writing to followers of Jesus Christ. Followers of Jesus just like you and just like me. 
It's this same gospel by which, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we preach today and we here in 2022 are being saved. So what is this gospel that Paul wants to remind them of? We'll look at verses 3 through 8 again with me. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of, all, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. We really like to use the word gospel around here, and for good reason. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. But what do we mean when we use that word gospel? Does it refer to the type of music that we sing, gospel music? Well, not exactly. Does it refer to the readings that we have from the four different biographies of Jesus' life? The gospel according to Matthew, Mark, or Luke, or John? Well, yes, but we need to be more specific than that. When we say the gospel, we usually mean the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, that does include all 33 years of his life, but but notice how Paul summarizes the gospel here. It's important to get this right, because as Paul stated, it is this gospel through which we are being saved. If we get the gospel wrong, there are eternal consequences. He'll go even as far to say in his letter to the Galatians that if you add or if you change anything to the gospel, then you should be under God's curse. So this is serious business. There's no room for misunderstanding. When his summary of the gospel, Paul highlights four points, four kind of things that he groups the gospel around. First, that Christ died for our sins. Second, that he was buried. Third, that he was raised on the third day. And fourth, that he made many public appearances. So I'm going to go through those now. At the, at the very heart of the good news of Jesus Christ is the cross of Christ. The crucifixion wasn't just a political act trying to silence the voice of a revolutionary... It wasn't the triumph of evil as this Messiah guy dies. Rather, as Peter says on the day of Pentecost, it was all according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Or as Paul puts it here, it was in accordance with the Scriptures, which is the Old Testament. Well, why did the plan of God include this gruesome and cruel death of a carpenter from Nazareth? Well, it's because of our sins. Our sins are an offense to God. He is the light and in him is no darkness at all. But not only are they an offense, but they separate us from him. Because, of sin, because sin by nature is rebellion against him. It's a, it's a turning away from him, turning away from his rule over our life. And so this rebellion causes and is deserving of the punishment of death. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. But in love, God sends his son to die for our sins. Not just as a moral example of what love looks like, but as a substitute to take the punishment that I deserve. So that we might be reconciled back to God. That we might once again walk in the light of his glory and grace. 
this substitutionary death of Jesus is the core tenet of the gospel upon which everything else stands. The second point of the gospel that Paul highlights is that Jesus was buried. He does so to emphasize that Jesus really did die. He didn't just appear to be dead. He didn't just pass out. He was actually dead. So much so that they took him down from the cross, they wrapped him in linens, and they buried him in a tomb, which had its entrance blocked by a stone. You don't, you don't usually do that for non-dead people. That's a very dead thing to do. That he was dead and buried is not only true, though. This comes to our third point. But it's important because it precedes the most radical part of this gospel. That Jesus was raised on the third day. The good news is not just that the Christ died, but that he rose again, triumphing over sin and the grave, for death could not hold him down. And this is good news because just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We too will be raised. And so after rising to new life, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And he is sitting right now at the right hand of God, ruling and reigning even over us. Lastly, Paul wants to highlight that the resurrection was not just a spiritual event, but a physical one. It wasn't a resuscitation, but a rising through death to new life in his physical but now glorified body. And it was attested to by many eyewitnesses. As Paul states here that Jesus, after rising from dead, appeared to many people, to the apostles and many followers of Jesus. Well, this gospel is not just a good idea. It's not just an intellectual exercise, but it's God's power to transform people from sinners into saints. And we see that in verses 9 to 11. Look at those verses with me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. In Acts chapter 8, we read that Paul was there when Stephen was stoned, giving his approval to the proceedings. He then went around ravaging the church and entering house to house, dragging off men and women and committing them to prison. These men and women who believed that Jesus had risen from the dead. But by the grace of God, Paul was transformed by this gospel. The greatest persecutor of the church had become the greatest proclaimer of Jesus. And this transformation was purely and absolutely by the grace of God through the power of the Holy Spirit working with him. It was a transformation that he couldn't earn by himself. It was by this gospel. Well, what does all this mean for you and for me? If what Paul is saying is true, and I believe it is, then that has implications for our life. If Christ died for our sins and on the third day he rose again and is now seated at the right hand of God, that has repercussions for us. If you're someone who doesn't know Jesus, who hasn't put their trust in him, well, if Christ has been raised, then there is no other way to heaven. There is, there's no fence that you can sit on between heaven and hell that you'll be safe on. Today is the day of salvation. And so I want to invite you to hear this good news that Christ died for you, 
and to turn from your sin and brokenness and to turn to Him. But maybe you are a Christian. Maybe you've heard this gospel before. You've been in this church for a long time and you, you know it. You confess Jesus with your lips, but do you deny Him with your life? Well, I want to invite you to hear this good news too, that Christ died for you and to turn from your sin and brokenness and to turn to Him. Well, I've been saying all this uh, in a very analytical way, laying out all the facts as I like to do because I I think they're important. But when by the grace of God you you hear all these facts, all these ideas, and and you remember that when it says Christ died for our sins, that means my sins, and that that He was raised on the third day means that I too will be raised to new life. These facts take on new life, don't they? They truly become good news. Praise be to God that he would die for a sinner like me. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain, for me who him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Let me pray for us. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks and praise for the good news of Jesus Christ, that though we are deserving of death, in love you sent your Son to die for our sins, that you you did not leave him in the grave, but that you raised him to new life, and he is seated at your right hand right now. We give you great thanks for all the benefits that we have received at your hands. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.